Greetings, fellow Wordlings, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave, seeking the truth and exposing the lies. I'm your host, Dave Smith. All right, let's get into it. So I, I pulled up this thing about air fresheners, um, Mimi, um, or sorry, Kimmy, and um, some. It, here's the uh, the article. Um, some air some air fresheners endocrine endocrine disruptors. Some chemicals in fragrances such as phthalates, p h t h a l a t e s, phthalates are endocrine disruptors which mimic or disrupt the body's own hormones. Some chemicals wow. in air fresheners are sensitizers that can cause allergies. They can also trigger asthma, wheezing, headaches, and contact dermatitis. Whoa. Wow. So, oh man, that, that, I mean. And here's another one. What fragrances are endocrine disruptors? Synthetic musks like gal, galoxolide, tonalide, ethylene, brassolate, and other common fragrances, fragrance Dude, ingredients ethylene. are linked to hormone disruption. Dude, ethylene's in everything. Damn. Okay. Damn. Yeah, so basically people don't buy any fake stinky stuff. Like, clean doesn't have a smell, right? Clean is the absence of stink. Yeah, you're covering. Um, you're not killing the bacteria that makes the the, the smell. Like you're not kill the bacteria. Exactly. That makes... Right. Even Febreze. Even Febreze is not a sanitizer. Febreze doesn't work like Lysol does. Lysol kills ninety nine percent of all germs. Um, but what Febreze does is it blocks your olfactory system so that you can't smell the stink. It blocks your sense of smell. Is how Febreze works. Right, so it's it's like they're putting layers on. So you have the bacteria, and then you have like a layer of like what, like spray, and then more bacteria. So the bacteria is still right. there, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You didn't kill anything. You just yeah. put a jacket, a stinky jacket, on it. <laughs> uh, I, <I'm> <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, we got another message. I'm Scott. Oh, yeah. So. Earlier, someone mentioned something about uh, the attention the child gained possibly being the reasonings, one of the reasons behind maybe the child continuing to identify as a boy or however they described it. Um, So with that being said, what if their parents, or I guess what if the mother stopped showing certain... um, be or stopped being so attentive to you know oh hi honey today um so do you still feel like you're a boy today oh and the kid and going through the kid's mind oh my mom's talking to me she's speaking really softly to me and she's not doing something she's she's paying attention to me right now so I'm just gonna uh kind of feed into this right now so what if the mom took that away then what who knows you you remind me of something during the Victorian yeah, that's age. like Pavlov. That's like Pavlov's dogs with operational conditioning, right? You you reinforce uh, positive behavior that you want repeated. So that's a great point. What if the mother is something as simple as that, right? Like 
talked talked to that child more than they did before and in a gentler way than than they're talking to the sisters right because yeah. you know you go from the, you go from one of three sisters where you're all just getting a little bit of attention and now you're the only boy you're getting more attention and you're special because there's this whole thing going on right yeah well during the, the, the victorian age like um and i could be wrong about the age i so I, I, you know, but I'll, let's say during any age. So um, mothers, um, uh, and also the pharmaceutical era was completely different. And so people with postpartum, people with mental health, like they weren't treated correctly. Well, it denoted, and also even in entertainment, they took from this research. So you'll see, you'll see, you'll see movies where, where it's suddenly like, like this guy was like, yeah, you know, you know, my mother used to dress me as a, as a girl. You know, my entire life she wanted me to be a girl. Huge in the Victorians. I mean, because they basically tried to, you know, you know, dip and twist um, uh, their travel if they wanted. But to be honest, that really hasn't changed. Um, if there is someone who wants a specific gender as a child, you'll see them push them into certain things and work. And and the, and the grooming is so real. Uh, but but as far as what you're saying about about the mother, you know, attention, you know, give and, and let go. Yes, perfect version of. Uh, of uh, of grooming, because mm-hmm. it's it's oh you know you you know but now you can rely on me now you can rely on me and also and also and also if you do if you have then I'll, I'll be here for you I'll protect you right then now you're my favorite right all of a sudden you're my favorite or it appears because well, you're, you're getting more attention than the other two well and also now you're safe because because mom's here mom's here and I'm here to protect you which is a big thing mm-hmm. in the prison industrial complex. But that, that's, that's what that's what those men and women have to deal with is is an environment like that where hey now you're safe if if you are this way and you continue to live this way so it's a big thing you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a great point great point yeah I mean it just I don't know it just get, it fires me up so much because like you know kids are already growing up too fast you know, with digital technology and this and that, and exposure to everything on the internet. Um, childhood is fleeting, you know. So let's just let them have a childhood. Uh, so I don't know if you're frozen for me, but hey, Jay, do you mind recapping for people who came in a little late, just a little bit about exactly how we started this conversation? Yeah, so what started this conversation off was the the clip that I posted above there, Life as a Five-Year-Old Transgender Child. So I'm taking a psychology class, uh, human sexuality, and this was an assignment to watch this clip. Um, it's from a news... Sorry, man, you're, breaking, you're breaking up for me really bad. I'm not sure if you're breaking up for everybody else. Somebody leave me a message. Let me know if I'm breaking up or if you can hear me. Because... Um, um, so hey, can someone this was an assignment. There, can you hear me or? I can hear you fine. Yeah. So this was an assignment to watch this video and then write a a, a response. Um, and it was from seven years ago about a family that witnessed their son not or their daughter not wanting to be a Mia anymore, and the child picked their own name Jacob. And said, "I want to be Jacob. I want to be Jacob." And um, and so the parents, you know, are going along with that. And, and, and I think that's pretty harmless, right? You know, they're giving them 
short haircuts, dressing him as a boy now. And I think that's all harmless. But it could easily lead to hormone therapy at 12 years old because that's what our society is doing right now. And I think it's a really slippery slope. I think we need to let children be children and not worry about putting somebody in a in a in a gender box, right? Like what's wrong with having a full spectrum of genders, right? Like what's wrong with a girl being a tomboy? She doesn't have to transition to being a boy. She can be a tomboy. She can she can be a girl and be playing rough and tumble with the guys. You know, I I had a friend growing up that was like that and she turned out to be a gorgeous woman, but you know, she played yeah, with I, got, I got lit up for neighborhood boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I didn't mean to interrupt so, you. I, you glitched on mine, so I thought you were done. And I was saying, like, I, I got beat the shit out. Some of the best football players I ever saw was to get on their cheek. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think we're so caught up in, and, and that, you know, I don't know. It makes me think that it's a whole divide and conquer project by the CIA or something because it's it's just taken over the mainstream media this conversation and um uh, good point good point good point good point you know we're talking about one percent of the population but the conversation is so loud right now mm. and i want to reiterate i want to reiterate that i'm not a phobic about anything i'm all for equal rights equal treatment e- you know dignity and respect for all people um yeah. You know, race, creed, gender, religion, whatever. You do you, you know. True. But what gets me is when when decisions are made by adults um, that can affect children for the rest of their life because they're like, well, the child said they want children. Don't know. That's what parents are for is to lend guidance and sometimes, you know, to say no. Well, you made a great point. You're, you know, you used to say you know, it affect them forever. Well. The thing, the thing is, is like, is like we have like the media push, and we do have a bubble, and, and I think it's an important one that we should push, um, because it's very vague. And so, but before before that happens, I think the media is a great point. Um, so, and you said a very small percentage that's being talked about by everybody. Everybody has an opinion about those very small percentage. However, that very small percentage, per- percentage is fighting, fighting so hard, really just to do their due diligence, to be left alone, and just do their own thing. Um, but I think what we're looking at here is a child is going into surgery. A child's going into surgery. Uh, surgery surgeries are not very irreversible. Uh, you know, I mean, like I, I, I'm sure like the easiest brass tacks, you know, the smallest thing here. A child's going into surgery. It's not a surgery that is medically necessary. Um, it's an elective surgery. Um, however, if I were to need an elective surgery, I have to go to two or three doctors. But because these parents want this done, it's going to be done. It's, it, it has to be well, something where there has to be a control, a variable, and there has to be steps. This sounds more like um, a... Uh, no, I won't say that. Well, no, it, no, no, I was going to type the brakes on, on the way I speak about things. Uh, but well, uh, I, want to, I want to clarify. In this case, there's no surgery planned. There's no, They're not even doing hormone therapy or anything. So they're just humoring the child and saying sure you do you know you do you be be happy we love you no matter you know who or what you are but i think um, the media like letting the media alone speak about it making this big of a deal will 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 it 
influence not because like I got to make my own decisions about my sexuality. However, if I saw my shit on TV, then I would feel compelled to be a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Right. You hear me? Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and 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 we got to reiterate that the kid was four and a half or five years old, right? So like, how serious do you take a four and a half or a five year old? You know. Um, we got a message from Seth that I want to play. I have some insight on this as someone who is intersex and has had to do hormone therapy at a very young age. Seth, you want to come up? You want to come up and talk on the panel for a minute? Give us some insight? Yeah. Actually, it's Seth. Uh, okay, get it right. Seth. Seth. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody always breaks me down for my phonetic spelling and things, so I thought I could try and see one in. Seth, do you want to come up on the uh, on the panel yeah, and um, do, and man. share yeah, your I, share your experience? Yeah. I think it's important. I would love. Yeah, like, we're yeah, I would love to hear. I would love to hear uh, your opinion, your experience, all of that, all yeah, of the above. <laughs> So, so Seth, your bubble says I would love to come up if you guys would like to. Uh, we've invited you twice, brother. I would love to come on if you guys would allow me to. Yeah, man. Uh, we'll try again. Um, please come. There on. we go. Hi. There you go. Hey, hey, hey. Hi, can I be heard? Hey, how are you? Um, hi. Um, I am someone who has um not only heavily researched all of this topic because of how my life is affected by it. Um, but it is something that I also went through and experienced just as a child all the way up to now I am as of right now I'm twenty years old. Can we ask what age just can, so we can quantify like the 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 story that we're talking about compared to your experience? Um I, I started hormone therapy when I was a lot younger, more into my mm-hmm. teen uh to my like preteen teen years okay for like circumstances however a lot of my life experiences have been similar to a lot of trans children sure and because of this it has compelled me to heavily research these types of topics be it things that have to do with hormone therapy, trans rights and issues, and mm-hmm. legislation, not only in the U.S. in various places, but also in other countries. Great. Yeah. Would you feel comfortable, like, just sharing, like, um, as much of your story as you want? Like... Oh, absolutely. I, this is This is a topic that I have dedicated myself to heavily just because of like my own personal like circumstance and also to advocate for others yeah maybe you could give us like a chronological breakdown like you know as as far back as you can remember and like kind of what led you to um to think that way and then whatever steps you took and then bring us to like current time and then and then tell us about your research so when I was born, I was I I was identified or just assigned as female at birth, and as such, my parents um, raised me and socialized me as female in in that like general way. 
Um, mm-hmm. I remember my first sort of instances of not aligning with that and like having certain issues was when I was very young. I want to say like my first memories were around preschool because of the way that males and females were socialized differently. Mm-hmm. And the way that I viewed that, I was like, why am I not being treated this way? Why am I being lumped with this group? It doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah. It, when you're a child, you don't really understand it. You're just like, why am I not being treated this way? Like, it's it's strange. You don't, like you're a kid, you don't really have the words mm-hmm. or the ability to express it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As I grew up around puberty is when there were a lot of issues mostly as I started developing um it I found out that I was intersex which means I am biologically in between male and female for me it was more of a yes so however um I was my case is it didn't really start until puberty. I I started like developing more like as a male, I had more of a testosterone like influx. And because of that, I it like really like led me to going down like other like paths of transition. I was not able to start full hormone therapy until I was 18 because I was legally barred from doing it. I was not legally allowed to start hormones. The options that I did have, however, were to start hormonal blockers to like, to like put it to like basically like pause where I was at so I could make a, so I could make a informed better decision when I was legally an adult. And this is the case for very, like a lot of places in the United States. It is very, very rare that a minor will undergo um, hormonal treatment, even if it is medically necessary, as in for my case of needing hormones to balance it out because it was more of a medical condition. It is very hard to obtain these things as a minor, which is why I wanted to point this out because there is a lot of misinformation about talking about how kids are able to transition very easily, how they're getting surgeries. That is simply not true. There are a lot of, there are a lot of just steps that are like put in place for kids who are, who identify as trans. Sure, sure, sure. I guess, I guess my question would be, so, so mm-hmm. you start, you know, when you're, you know, a little older, so did, um, did, was there any sort of, um, uh, cause there's, there's kind of what we're looking at here is, is, is you, you can um, ask any specific question and I'll yeah. answer to the best ability. Oh yeah. yeah. You guys and just I'm wanted gonna... a timeline. So I just kind of went as big. No, dude, I, I love that you're, yeah, uh-huh. you're so, yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So my question is like, as far as aligning with, you know, uh, you know, the, the kid who's like four years old. So like, so, so kind of like, like one of our biggest things was it's being pushed by the parents and, and we hear like, a, a, you know, and we hear the, the quotes that the parents say the kids said, 
we're not hearing anything from the kid. Like, there's no quotes. Like, we don't we don't have the information. And one of the biggest things is that there's a lack of data and information that sort of we're running with here. Um, and it seems like it's being pushed by the parents. And so, uh, how uh, how do you how, how do you feel about how the how you know what you went through aligns with you know sort of what what because we only have so much data. You know what I'm saying? Um, aligns with because um, with um, sort of the parental push because all we understand is, is the parents are saying this, and and we, we but you know there's no data as far as like what the kids saying like is the well the you know the mom said and and like if, that's called hearsay like as far as like any other anything else you know yeah so what do you think man well I can't necessarily speak for the children in these cases um i would also go as far as saying it's it would be difficult to interview a child or like really ask a lot of these more complex questions because at least for me at the time when i was around Mm -hmm. that age and i was struggling with a lot of these issues of like not understanding why i was being treated this way why are they treating me like a girl and not like that like it's like to put it simply it's like you're going to get a child's answer yeah dude okay, yeah. That's very, that is well put yeah. you're right yeah that, was, yeah that was very well put um let me run through um these three messages here and then maybe we can um turn it back to you for you know if you want to talk about any research you've done some uh, any information that you've come across um because you know, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm, I'm a sponge for information. I'm, I'm pretty sure the professor is the same way. And I think it's important yep. for people to hear firsthand instead of, you know, instead of two yeah. cis dudes pontificating, you know? Yeah, thanks for coming up. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate you. There, let me run through these messages real quick. Got a message from Sky. Three in a row. Okay, so after watching the clip that you posted, it makes sense how this is kind of an agenda thing because watching the family speak and the mother and the father were both present. The father spoke, the mom spoke. The mom did kind of seem more involved, but um, I just think that the whole intention, and it was very genuine. I don't think there was any ill intent. And then towards the end of the clip, what comes up? Oh, 41% attempt suicide, anxiety, depression, in like big letters on the screen that come up, all dramatic. Then this lady pops up, Dr. Michelle Forrester from the uh, Hasbro Children's Hospital starts talking about long history of uh, trans... I'm just going to continue here. Uh, this yeah, I... doctor um, from uh, Children's Hospital randomly comes up, starts talking about a long history of uh, transgender uh, children, which, uh, what, what's a long history mean? A uh, long history could mean uh, anything. A long history could mean 100 years. It could mean 10 years. I mean, I don't know. It depends. It's very vague. Um, and then she starts saying stuff like, you know, it's uh, it's it's better to take action as soon as possible, right? Doesn't put a, doesn't put a label on it. Doesn't put uh, an age on that. Very 
very uh, um, concerning the way she's approaching this and speaking on it. Then she adds, uh, it's better to do, uh, it's better to do something than to do nothing. You know, vaguely uh, puts that in there. And it just seems kind of like. Okay, so real quick before we finish, I don't want to break down yep. so far. Um, so, so Sky is sort of dealing with like the, the fact of how information is being presented to the public. And I think, I think that's what we're looking at is, um, you know, when we look at this data, that, that does shift our perspective. And, you know, so the, these answers and these basic issues will also led us to have this conversation, uh, which also leads the public to have questioning conversations. So we have Seth up here who's dealt with it, right? Uh, who has firsthand experience. Um, uh, but then we have this reporter uh, who, took, who took down whatever and didn't give us any numbers. So it leads us to this very confusing conversation where we're trying to figure out, you know, what's happening to this kiddo. You know, um, and so I, I, I just wanted to break that down. And, you know, I, I, I like to break things down to make sure that the biggest thing here is like, what's happening to the kid? You know, like, who's influencing the kid? You know, uh, we don't yeah, really I, have the I thought that was really interesting that Sky mentioned also that all of a sudden, up, you know, there's a clip of this doctor talking, you know, just about statistics and studies, but they don't cite the studies, they don't cite the statistics. And the doctor hadn't been part of the conversation previously, whereas before it was really pretty wholesome. It was just the family talking about their experience. Right. Um, so, I mean, this conversation could even lead to how we portray, uh, how we portray uh, transitioning. You know, what I mean, like, it could lead toward how we portray transitioning, uh, and uh, sort of how it is presented to the public. You know, what I'm saying, like, it could even lead there because we're not exactly providing things for people like you or me or or really anything like to provide a wholesome platform whether it be positive or negative are we providing you know either you know like like the trend you know the, the community of where you transition uh, something to to utilize and, and, and see oh i'm supported or or not it's more or less vague and almost a puff so i think it's a great 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 point yeah let me just play this one more message then back to you seth so it just kind of seems like this family was just sharing their story and it seemed very uh, genuine. They even said, the mother and the father even said, no way, they're not doing hormonal stuff. They're not going to do any of that. Um, and then the doctor later on mentions going that route. Like, what? Why do we have to bring the doctors in? Why are we, why are we bringing in you know, the doctors, right? It just kind of seems like it, it's an agenda. That's all it is. It's like, oh, you're not being a good parent unless you start the hormonal uh, process as soon as, as possible. You know, it just seems very, uh, no, something's not right about it, honestly. Dave, do you I'd, mind I'd like to hear your yeah, I wanted to ask that something real quick. I'd like to hear your opinion on, do you think doctors are being proactive with an agenda or or is it that um, is it that that, that people you know young people that want to transition aren't don't have enough advocates? Like, because I think you kind of mentioned the difficulty in. 
this is from my own experience of what I went through, yeah. and this is also right. out of like knowledge of all of the trans friends that I have like had over the years, and all of the trans people that I have worked with. I used to um, spend my time like kind of working with this organization that was essentially kind of like a boys and girls club, but it was more so a safe space for a lot of queer people, um, trans yeah. kids and other people to go to, to where they had a place where they could talk to other trans people, other queer people, and to help get that sort of advocacy. So from what I've like heard of and just what I know, and also just my own experience, it is insanely hard to go through transition. And that is, for the most part, because of a lot of laws in various states, barring, like, not even just trans kids, they, there's a lot of laws that bar adults from transitioning. It is very hard to do so. And there is a huge lack of advocacy for trans people and intersex people, for that matter, to get the help that they need. Because, mind you, I had a, my, like, what I needed for transition was medically necessary because I am intersex and my hormones were so off balance that it was literally a harm to me. Oh, wow. For, if it was hard for me, if it was difficult for me to get the medically necessary treatment that I needed to not have my bones, like, turn to goo... (laughs) Like, I can't imagine what it's like for people who are trans, be them adult, like adults or kids, to get that type of advocacy. And you hear about this, and I've, I've heard about this, like, a lot from a lot of my friends who have been seeking, like, medical transition. It is very lacking. That's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. And remember, if you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm putting down, please spread it around with friends and on social media. Reviews on Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts are greatly appreciated. All right. Until next time.